this is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. I was happy for Dad after it was over and he had won, but I don't like to finish second. This is the Daytona 500, and thank God! It's an accomplishment that we'll not forget. There's a lot of satisfaction in winning the championship. Jeff Gordon out of turn number four. He will lay claim to his first ever Winston Cup victory, and it comes in the Coca-Cola 600. Rick Hendrick, uh, hope I'm with you for a long time. At the end of the day, you still want to see a lot of people in those stands. I am history. <laughs> you know, what I mean? Back in the day, with Steve Richards and Ron LeMasters. NASCAR history is a rich tapestry of speed, personality, and great racing. Here at Back in the Day, we celebrate that history by keeping it alive, just like Dale Earnhardt Jr. did on the original TV show. We'll take important dates, races, and trends in NASCAR and pass them along to you. Here comes Back in the Day from the Exalta Studio inside Junior Motorsports. Every major sport in the United States has an all-star game. NASCAR didn't have one until 1985, and it started at Charlotte Motor Speedway before it became Lowe's Motor Speedway and then reverted back to CMS. It was a pretty good show that first year, backed by cash from series sponsor Winston. In fact, the race was called the Winston, which kind of makes sense. The winner that year was Darrell Waltrip, and it was the only one he won. He could have won the 1989 race, but for Rusty Wallace and his power move off turn four. The event has seen many formats, but the main one has been some version of a couple of stages for position, then a shootout of a set number of laps for the big money. It has produced some epic finishes. We'll talk about some of those after we jump in the Magic Wayback Machine and revisit the year 1985. On January 1st, the first mandatory seatbelt law this season, buckle up, New York, took effect in New York, of course. The Internet's domain name system was created. On TV. Well, I'll tell you this. It's not over yet. Patrick Duffy's character on the iconic show Dallas, Bobby Ewing, was killed off the series. There were several notable passings from the world, but one stuck out. Hostess Twinkies give your child energy to go on, plus protein to grow on. James Dewar, inventor of the Twinkie, passed his sell-by date and went to the big 7-Eleven in the sky. <laughs> That brings us to our topic for today, the NASCAR All-Star Race. For all but one season, it's been held in Charlotte. The only race outside Cabarrus County took place in 1986 at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and it quickly resumed the following season at Charlotte. Interestingly enough, I was covering the month of May at Indy that year, and Winston put all the journalists that would fit on a 737 and flew them down there to see the event trying to get coverage. Apparently, the journalists outnumbered the fans that year, and it earned a permanent home back here in Charlotte. This is the gunfight at OK Corral, and Tombstone is Charlotte. <laughs> I like that. I miss Humpy's quips like that. What do you he, mean? Huh? What do you mean? It means it, it's the OK Corral, where, you know, Charlotte's, somebody's going to get figuratively shot. Ah, got you. you. Know, it's a duel. It's a battle. Got you. Who plays the Clantons and who plays the, uh, the Earps? <laughs> Intro me. Intro me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's bring in Steve Richards, longtime broadcaster and pit reporter for the Performance Racing Network. As well as the producer of Back in the Day, Steve, you've been to the All Star races, I assume, many many years. What is, what original concept? I mean, what do you think of the whole thing? I think it's really cool. Uh, I remember my first All Star race. I believe it was nineteen. Was well, the pass in the grass? That was one of my first ones. It was not a pass. In the I grass. know, but that's what it was called. I understand. I'm pedantical that way. Yeah, well, you're what? Pedantical. 
Uh, I'm sorry, we don't use that kind of language <laughs> on this show. Well, I'm getting treatment for it, but it's <laughs> no pedantical. You know what I mean. 1992 was memorable for me. Right. Davy Allison's win. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Also, the pass in the grass with Dale Earnhardt, and Bill right. Elliott, and. Uh, Jeff Bodine winning it on Hoosier Tires, the big tire war going on. Oh, Bob Newton, where are you now? Yeah, yeah. And then when Jeff Gordon won in the Jurassic Park car that was... T-Rex. Oh, yeah. They, NASCAR's told Ray Everham, never bring that back again. That's a wonderful car. It's like it's like <laughs> sort of like Major League. Don't ever blank and do it again. Yeah. Then when yeah. They, they wreck going into turn one and everybody was allowed to use their backup cars right. when Jeff Gordon won the race. And I watched that from the suite, the, the now defunct Diamond Terrace suites. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> oh, God. But I'm Bob. There's here there, all week. There's been so many. There's oh, been there's. Rusty Wallace mm-hmm. taking out Daryl Walter. We're going to talk about all those, and all those are great memories. Oh, I know. And, and it's a last lap for all the money. Did you expect not to be turned somewhat? That's no. That's what I want to know. Well, Daryl basically told me that he underestimated his competition that night. You know, it was a big weekend. I was going for my second Winston in a, uh, in a few years there, and I had a great opportunity, and I had a great car, and I underestimated my competition, and you got to be careful doing that. Uh, I've seen it happen already, you know, to other people, but I underestimated my competition. I thought because my car was better than his, and he knew it, and we're coming to get the white flag that he would, uh, you know, that he would maybe just kind of finish second and be happy about it. But uh, it didn't happen that way, and woe be unto me. Not as much as woe be unto him, but woe be unto me. You know, that reminds me of an old Bugs Bunny cartoon. Okay. He don't know me very well, do he? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm sorry. He's going to drive through pretty much anything to get the big check and the big... Rusty was all about the accolades and and all that. Right. So, And Daryl was, too. I mean, but Daryl would never have sat there and run second. And Rusty won $100,000 that night. Mm -hmm. And you remember Daryl's quote? No. I just hope he chokes on that $200,000. That's all I can tell him. And uh, back in September 2005, I asked Daryl if Rusty ever did. I asked him if he ever choked on that money, and he said he he never has. And so, uh, no, that was was in the heat of the moment. And... uh, that's about all I can say about that. But you could say that now and not be fine. No, I, I, you know, that's what I say. Older guys know how to get their message across without being, uh, you know, calling a guy some name or having to blur out some four-letter word on TV to get your message across. Uh, when some of the older drivers spoke, uh, most of us younger drivers listened. And that's another problem I see. Enough of the older drivers aren't speaking up and teaching these young guys. I can never forget me and Richard Petty setting Ernie Irvin down at Talladega and saying, dude, you just caused it. 10-car pileup at Pocono, and you act like you didn't do anything wrong. It's time you stood up and took the blame, took took responsibility for what you did. He got up in the driver's meeting at Talladega, and it turned his career around. And there's a lot of other guys, I think, in this sport right now that need to hear that same lecture. I wonder who he was talking about. Who? I don't know. I wonder who he was talking about. <laughs> well, that was 12 years ago. Well, 2005, I got a couple of candidates. Uh-huh. And one of them, um, one of them you were talking about pre-show. Really? Yes, the three-time NASCAR champion uh, from Indiana. Uh, my One of my favorite people on the planet. Your home state. That's right. Uh-huh. Well, you know, and, and Daryl's right. There isn't enough anymore because the perfect driver to come into the NASCAR series now is essentially 13 years old. Uh-huh. You can't even drive legally, you know, <laughs> and they don't know. They're, they've been taught a certain way. Now, this co- we've discussed this before, but... In Europe, there's a farm system, and they all play by the same rules. If you go into a corner, it's mostly road courses, you go into a corner, you never go in side by side. You concede the corner to whoever has the line, and you try again. 
Right. That doesn't happen here anymore. And you've got to have some of the elder statesmen read them from the book to make sure that they don't cause the big pileups like we see on occasion. Now, we all know that they race for big money. Right. Million, big do- money. million dollars. Mm-hmm. A lot of the drivers say, I don't race for the money. I race for the trophy. I race for the prestige. I race for the, the accolades. Rusty Wallace was never that kind of guy. Oh, yeah, because this thing's all about money. It's all about, just all about money. I mean, it might be about uh, glory for everybody else, but I've, I've had plenty of that in my career. I just want all the damn money, and I just want to drive hard and get all the money, and that's it, man. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Rusty is a truthful driver, because I was about to say, I was ready to call BS on that one. <laughs> you know, they, they, the trophies are nice, but uh, you have to have a big old house to put them in, and that cost what? Money. money show me the month oh jerry Maguire reference there right there. right 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 but you know i mean some of the ones that that i like are the ones where mark martin won jeff gordon runs out of gas or whatever it was and mark martin wins on the last lap right you know <laughs> i didn't actually see that because i was running down pit road at the time but and actually that was a real neat thing because i never ran at the racetrack and that was one of the only times i ever did um but, you know, the replay, it was glorious because Gordon was winning everything then. I like Jeff. He's a great driver and, and a great NASCAR champion. But, you know, it used to be it's – like, it's like when Kyle Busch wins every race, you know. Everybody gets tired of it. Well, I was tired of it. So it was also the first night race at CMS, was it not? 1992. 92. Never mind. That was right. the Davey Allison, Kyle right. Petty, Dale Earnhardt deal. I didn't get to see that in person because we didn't get down here until 97. But Right. God, it was so wonderful. Just, you know, the first time I was there for the Musco lighting, mm-hmm. it looked like daylight. It was wonderful. I was used to being at like a racetrack where they had floodlights and it was like a football stadium and you couldn't see crap anywhere. <laughs> you know, can I say that crap on the sure, podcast? Sure. Okay. All right. So what year did Mark Martin beat Jeff Gordon? 98. 98. Mark Martin talks about his all-star race memories. Well, probably the one where Kyle and Davey crashed across the line, or uh, when Daryl blew up, taking the checkered, which was awfully suspicious. That was back in the day when there was an awfully lot of cheating going on. We just really felt like there was a stick of dynamite in there so that he could blow it up right at the start-finish line to keep them from catching whatever it was that they were doing. He still contends, nah. So I don't know, but that was something else. Uh, The Rusty Wallace, uh, Daryl Waltrip, deal was big the, the pass in the grass with Earnhardt and uh, Elliot that was huge uh, there's been a lot of uh, wild times but they were in the, the 80s and 90s I you know I don't remember uh, anything wild some great racing going on but I think one of the things that made the racing a little wilder back in the past was there weren't so many good cars so the race could boil down to somebody it doesn't boil down to somebody now. You've got all the same speed out there just about. And, and you know, they're all just, you know, positioning and, and all that stuff. Man, you know, back then, the race was between two guys. And, you know, that may not be as commercial, but it sure is racing. And that was, that was good stuff, you know. One of the exciting times was uh, Earnhardt Jr. coming from the back to win uh, after stopping to get tires or whatever it was. Now, that's cool. And, you know, I'm old school. I like that. I don't think this whoever gets out in front stays out in front businesses. You know, I personally, it doesn't do anything for me. Uh, I think the most recent popular win for me was Junior being able to pass those cars. 
that was old school. Mark is kind of an old school kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He does not run off at the mouth like uh, a lot of your guys do. Mark Martin is the antithesis of Rusty Wallace. Right. Okay. And both of them are great racers. They came up through ASA. I, I watched them race when I was a kid. That's that's something I'm not saying a whole lot lately. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, he brought up a few that we really want to talk about, including the pass for the grass, which, being pedantical, that yeah. came from the fertile mind of Tom Cotter right. and nowhere else. Right. Who was the PR director at Charlotte at the time. The great thing about that was, being on the media side, soon after that, they sent out a – or the, I guess it was the, the year after – they sent out a press pack with a crumpled uh, envelope of uh, Levi Garrett, a crushed Coors beer can, and uh, something, uh, a, a patch of denim with Wrangler on it. <laughs> that was awesome. If I'd have been smart, I'd have kept it. That is one of the iconic races in NASCAR history because you hear about it. And on our old show, historically speaking, that was part of our intro. That's right. It was. <laughs> That's right. And, of course, the primaries, Dale Earnhardt and Bill Elliott. Uh, on the restart, was coming off two over, and Bill turned me sideways, and uh, lucky we saved that, and uh, uh, was still in lead, and he come off the ear and turned me down in the grass. So uh, I just, I just took it. He wanted to play rough, so uh, I just, I carried him up the racetrack a little bit down in the next lap, just to let him know I was a little ill. We went down in the first and second corner. He slid up. I got under him, clearly under. He cut down on me, cut me off. You know, I was clearly there. Come back around here. I was clearly under him good coming back here to the trioval. He tried to cut me off again to the grass. You know, then going down the back straightaway, he slows up, lets me get the outside of him, and nearly puts me in the wall going into three and four. Well, 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 the thing of it is, I want to know when he mows his grass. His grass? Grass. Yeah. I, I'm not making fun because, again, I've made this on several occasions. I don't have an accent right. per, per se. Right, right, right. I've always wanted one. Right. So I'll adopt one every now and again. But, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, that's really back then it was hammer and tong, and there was none of this politically correct stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, I, the Coors Ford was was really fast today, and unfortunately Dale and I had a little scrap out there. You know, <laughs> it was none of that. It was basically call a spade a spade and go on. You right, know? right, right. So that's kind of a miss. Uh, I miss that sort of the way they used to race then. And, of course, as we talked about earlier, 1989, the Winston, Daryl Waltrip gets spun out by Rusty Wallace, turn four, the final lap. I was in the press box watching that one. Wow. I tried to run through that corner almost wide open and drive up alongside him. And when that happened, the radius of the turn come back. And uh, when we touched, I backed out of the gas. By that time, he was all gone. I'm sorry it happened that way, but... Uh, Ten laps, there's not much you can do. You just got to drive your guts out and do everything you can. You know, I felt sitting down there getting ready to start the last ten laps that I was sort of like bait. That's how I felt. And it's the same old deal about the Winston. The best car don't win always, hardly ever, because you start in the front and everybody's shooting at you, and you're the biggest target, so you're the first one to get hit. I think that every race driver who starts the Winston, including myself, better get ready for a couple paints changing. That's all there is to it. If we're out for a gentleman drive on Sunday, then we don't need to be in this race. This is a tough race. This shows who the best the best is. This shows who's got the fastest car, the best crew, and the most aggressive driver. I just hope he chokes on that 200000 That's all I can tell him. How does Darrell feel about it now? Uh, actually, uh, it's one of those things that I try to forget daily. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
as many ups and downs as he's had in his career, he's had a lot more ups and downs. Mm-hmm. But you know that that had to be a tough pill to swallow. Oh, absolutely. Uh, probably harder to swallow than two hundred thousand bucks. <laughs> Nineteen ninety-two, boy, that was memorable. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. You you were not there for that race. Nope. I remember standing on top of the uh, old media center at Charlotte, and you could barely see the entire racetrack. Mm-hmm. And watching them come down the backstretch between Dale Earnhardt, Kyle Petty, Davey Allison, and Earnhardt got spun out in between three and four. And there are several premier NASCAR artists out there, mm-hmm. Sam Bass, Gary Hill, Jeannie right. Barnes, just to name the uh, the top three in my mind. Gary Hill has a uh, an iconic painting of that particular deal of Davey getting spun into the wall. And you see way in the upper right-hand corner the three car going into the wall. And Gary told me one time, he said, Dale saw that, and he says, why did you have me in there hitting the wall? Why did you put me in the wall up there? And he says, I wasn't a part of that deal. <laughs> you had to put me in there, uh, crashing into the wall. He wanted to sell a painting. That's what he yeah, wanted to do. Yeah, 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 probably. But, <laughs> At that uh, time, you, if, if it had Earnhardt in it, it sold. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. car got loose uh, with his air off. Of, so he took the air off my spoiler, whether he was just close enough to, you know, maybe rub a bit or whatever. But we spun, and... He and Davey went by, and luckily nobody hit me when I was spinning. So I backed off a little bit, and he went on in the corner real hard. When he did, it got out from under him, so I was trying to dodge him and not really paying attention to Davey. Next thing I know, Davey's up to my door. As we went into turn three, I didn't think Dale was going to make it. And uh, I saw him start to spin. I saw Kyle half pinch his car down. Next thing I knew, there was an opening for me, and I went for it. That's what happened between turns three and four. And now the guys talk about what happened between turn four and the checkered flag. Next thing I know, Davey's up to my door, and, you know, we hit two or three times and come across. And I think once we come across the line, we were trying so hard to get back to the line. It's like these runners that you see in the Olympics. Once they get to the line, they just fall. And I think that's what we did. We just let up. And what we did, we got together, and, you know, he ended up getting in the wall, and I went on down the, down the racetrack. So, you know, it was a bad deal the way it ended, but it was exciting for the fans. I saw him start to spin. I saw Kyle half pinch his car down. Next thing I knew, there was an opening for me, and I went for it. We beat him to the line. Uh, shortly thereafter, the lights went out for me. It's exciting last lap as last, last laps go, but it was the Winston, and, you know, you get out of the car after that, and that's why I tell you, see, well, it's the Winston. You know, what can you, you're, you can't be mad about it. Everybody was going for the for the win, and that's what they should have been. And I walked over and talked to Kyle, and, you know, hell, hell of a finish, you know, what can I say? Well, and, and that's the way it should be. It's an all-star race, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, basically you're racing for, this is a show thing. Right. This is a trophy dash. It's a dash for cash, whatever you want to call it. You know, it, it's not paying points. It's not paying anything else. You're just running out there for money and pride and bragging rights. And I think that's a perfect setup for it. You know, one thing about the all-star race we mentioned before, it takes place at the same track instead of moving around to different venues like Major League Baseball does. Right. The NFL Pro Bowl, dumpster fire, really, it is, (laughs) in terms of all-star game. But the NHL and the NBA, I mean, they have a pretty good all-star game if you're into those sports. I think it's for for the whole, the guys that are all in, you know, to watch the all-star game. Besides basketball, football, hockey, you know, baseball, none of those are major sports, really, and to my way of thinking. I'm pausing for indignation from our listeners. Oh. Let them curse at the... No, just kidding. But, I mean, it's a really good deal. If you're going to have – you might as well have it in the backyard where the guys don't have to travel, the teams don't have to travel. It's a big enough track where you can fill the place up, although they haven't recently. I'm hoping they will this year. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's a good deal. Everybody gets to sleep in their own beds. They're going to race there next week anyway, right? So you, you get them off the road for two weeks. You get them home. You have a little uh, backyard brawl, as I like to call it. And uh, then you go on with the season because it's the Baton Death March from there. There's like <laughs> one more day off until. And, yeah. And until it's a, the end it's of a grind. Oh, yeah. So give them a little breather, push them out onto the road again, and you'll see them again in October. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But as All-Star Games go, it's it's a pretty good deal. And they've they've Now, they tinker with the format a lot. Right. I'm kind of glad they just got it back to normal or the way it was. Yeah, it's a little simpler. Last year, you needed a calculator, and even if you had one, you weren't sure what buttons to push. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, again, you have to, you know, kind of jiggle the interest lever every now and again. Mm-hmm. But, hey, just let's run a few a few laps, figure out who's fast, turn them loose for 20 laps, and see who wins. Yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be rocket surgery, you know? Rocket surgery? Rocket surgery. <laughs> Okay. Or brain, or brain science. Rocket science, whatever. <laughs> Rocket. That was a George W. Bush ism. Rocket surgery. Ah, yeah. So, I gotcha. like that. Gotcha. Shout out W. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know Dale Jr. won the 2000 Winston, which was cool enough in itself, I think. But you know, the bad part of that was the bridge going down because that was mm-hmm. that was not happy. No. A lot of people got hurt, and you know in. My stint with Circle Track Magazine, my office was directly across the hall from the room where they had all the personal effects from that night. You know, the, the stuff that got lost and the lost and found and the, because there was litigation about it for sure. years and years and years. Sure. But um, it's a good thing that no more people got hurt than did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was tragic. And it, and it was traced to a, a structural flaw. I mean, right. it happens that weather's weather, you know, mm-hmm. and it, uh, Apparently it had something to do with the cabling or the rebar inside the, the bridge, and and it was unfortunate, and you know a lot of people got hurt, but uh, you know those things will happen. And we talked about Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s victory back in 2000. In 2008, Jr. said, even though you know he won the Daytona 500, what year? 2004. 2004. In 2008, he said the All Star race was his biggest career victory. People ask me about what my biggest win was in my career and of course you say the Daytona 500 but I thought about it the other day and I came up with a with a good thought that I went to Daytona thinking I had a great chance to win and expecting to run well and, and win the race. I went into the all-star race thinking I had no chance of winning and thinking that I was just happy to be there and just giggly to be there you know just couldn't believe it that I was going to run an all-star race because I kind of dreaded being in the open not having a week off. But uh, being an all-star race is really cool. And there we were. I was passing for the lead and couldn't, and at the same time, I was doing what I was doing. I couldn't believe it. And I still, you know, feel like that was the biggest shock for me, personally. It was great to celebrate that win uh, in Victor Lane with Dad, too. It was, he was very, very proud of that race. And I was, I was so glad to win won it. And, and for him as an owner, you know, he was proud of that, man. I can see why, maybe. I think it's the last time he's ever said the word giggly, too. Yeah, yeah. At least on purpose. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I can see why, because, you know, at Daytona, restrictor plate tracks, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about how good he and his dad were and are at, at Daytona Talladega. Mm-hmm. But you go into a race like Charlotte, where you've got, you know, and that field was nobody, that was not a bunch of a pansies in that field. No, not I at mean, all. I mean, you know, you got your, your Tony Stewart, you got your... Labonis, you got your Earnhardt, you got your, you know, mm-hmm. all those got Jarrett's and, and stuff like that. Well, 
Yeah, he goes in there. He takes t- made a gutsy call. Pops made a call that said, "All right, we're going to take car- tires and see what we got." And nobody else did, and he just kicked their butt. Mm-hmm. So I, I and you know, to me, that's the epitome of a of a career changing event. So I agree with him. Now, speaking of junior, you can't talk about an all star race without some of the promotions, right? Back in 2009, Junior, they made him into Wahoo the Wrestler. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. Do you remember that? that Wahoo was a, McDaniel. Yeah, that was a poster that they, they, they put out. <laughs> we all kind of look like the same guy if they just kind of put a face on a big muscular body. So I figured I would get the Indian headdress so I could be distinguished apart from the others. But uh, Wahoo was pretty cool, and he kind of came up around Ric Flair's time. And they got Ric Flair promoting it, which he's doing a great job. And I just felt like it was dishonorable to them to take the Nature Boy or the American Dream from Dusty Rhodes. So I went with Wahoo because I was a big fan of his anyways. Woo! <laughs> Ric Flair. That was Ric Flair. Flair. Not, that wasn't Wahoo. So, no. yeah. See, I grew up in the, in the days of Dick the Bruiser and the Iron Sheik uh-huh. and um, – Sailor Art Thomas. Now, see, so you, you, know? you watch wrestling quite I, a bit. That was the only thing on TV Saturday mornings when I was a kid. I didn't really care that much for wrestling. I, I watched. I watched roller derby. Well, that was cool too. Roller games. There's roller, a difference between yes. roller games and roller derby. Right. Okay. Roller derby. You had teams like the Thunderbirds, right. the LA Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Roller games. Growing up in in Maryland, we had the Mid Atlantic Cats. Mid Atlantic Cats. Mid Atlantic Cats with Vinnie Gondolfo. Was the uh, is that Rodney Dangerfield's doctor? Yes, yes. Vinny Gandolfo and uh, and Little Richard Brown. Little Richard. Oh yeah. Oh, great, great entertainment. They came to our hometown once, mm-hmm. and I went and watched the Mid Atlantic Cats play the Australian Kangaroos and Danny Riley, this huge guy, <laughs> and they had a match race and whatever. How did we get to rollerball? To roller, roller games? to roller games and roller derby from pro wrestling. Pro wrestling. Pro wrestling to all star to roller game. Well, anyway, I don't know how we got off track, but or the, on track. I mean. Or on track. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, and all star games too are are a break. They're a celebration of the sport. Never been to a, a major league all star game. Right. But I've he- I've heard it's just a fantastic time. Yeah. And, and nobody goes there for the game mm-hmm. because who cares, right? Now, well, baseball now, you care because the winner gets uh, home field advantage in the World Series. Right. But now here, you're racing for money. It is blood sport. I mean, if if you're going to crash somebody to win, you do it at Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Now, the wisdom of that on a 1.5-mile track where speeds are approaching 190 miles an hour or 200 miles an hour, uh, okay, we can we can talk about that. But still, everybody's there racing for the money. It's a big spectacle. That's what it's there for. And mm-hmm. it does its job awesomely, I think. And some of the other drivers who've won the All-Star Race. 2009, Tony Stewart. 2008, it was Casey Kane who got into the final show on a fan vote. I thought that was an upset, a huge surprise to have the Budweiser car just kind of drive its way through the field from the back and be that strong. I was surprised myself doing it. And, you know, I think everybody else was as well. So to me, it was a huge surprise. And then to look at where we had been the the previous month uh, with cars and how well they were handling and that kind of stuff. That even made it a, a bigger surprise to me. So it was a huge part of our 2008 season and worked out really well for us uh, because of the fans. I've always said that Casey Kane is the only driver in the field who, if you gave him a skateboard and a hat, would disappear in every major city in this country, <laughs> even at age 37. <laughs> 2007, Kevin Harvick won the All-Star Race. It's a big deal. It's kind of a feather in the cap, I guess you could say, is... Uh, just one of those things that, that uh, seems like everybody wants to win just for the fact that it is the all-star race and always a lot of 
unique things that that go on with uh, the race or during the race uh, usually comes with that. So, and you get a million bucks. So it's that's always nice. In 1996, Michael Waltrip won for the Wood Brothers. That was a memorable deal too. Golly, I, I cherish those moments. I remember every detail about the whole night, right down to the ride home when I came down with a buddy in a 1973 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. We put that big trophy with champagne and confetti all over it in the back seat and drove back home. A special, special event. We did mention Davey Allison's win in uh, 1992, but he won the All-Star Race the previous year, too, 1991. So Davey won two in a row. Uh, Dale Earnhardt won it several times. Jeff Gordon several times. Jimmy Johnson won two in a row. And everybody says that it's nice and there isn't any pressure. It's, it's ridiculous. We all want to really? win. It doesn't matter if there's a trophy uh, out there. We all want it. It doesn't matter if there's points on the line or not. Jamie McMurray, Denny Hamlin, and Joey Logano, those are the last three. Right. All-star race winners. Uh, Does anybody named Bush won the race? Kurt Bush, 2010. Right. Okay, I remember that. None for Kyle yet. And uh, do you remember that all-y'all brawl they had, uh, the Bush brothers who uh, parked each other in turn one during the second segment of not too long ago? I can't oh. remember the year. Oh, yeah. But there was a uh, there was a brotherly spat back at the house. I think the, the all-star race is a, a great atmosphere for sibling rivalries to, to boil over. Yeah, I, I think that it did, and it was fun to... You know, we're running for second and third at the time, and he wanted the low lane down the front straightaway. I gave him the low lane going into the corner. If I had to do it all over again, and if he had to do it all over again, I'm sure we would have done something different. Meanwhile, Kyle was asked, is it easier to get over being wrecked at this type of event? It is a big deal because of the money and the prestige that's on the line, but, um, you know, it's also harder to get over when you have your own brother and yourself get together. You know, that's a big deal, but... Uh, you know, if it's anybody else out there that uh, that you get together with, you just kind of have to let it go and get them back in the 600. You know, you just have to go on. Get them back in the 600. Yeah, I wonder which one of them mom liked best. It made for a very awkward Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Back in 2007 <laughs> when, that, when that occurred. Well, you know, really, as competitive as those guys are and as close to the edge emotionally as those guys are Mm -hmm. that's i think every holiday is an awkward holiday and your favorite tony stewart won it in 2009 he did it was awesome um you know it was obviously our first uh weekend having gene back on board with us and uh to go out and get the organization's first win and uh you know the first win for him after uh, all the years that he's been a part of this sport and having there to to be a part of it with us was really cool definitely wasn't a scenario where we were worried about points or wasn't worried about you know what it paid it just happened to be a a cool night where we didn't have to worry about the points and you know it came with a a nice paycheck so uh, uh, the big thing was just getting to victory lane and how much it meant to the guys that had never been to victory lane before in that organization and seeing how excited they were and and uh, you know happy to to be there for the first time apparently he spent a lot of that money on replacing his cell phones why is that tony loses cell phones Every 15 minutes. Does he? He should have a box of them (laughs) on the car. Uh Uh-huh. So, but no, you know, it was good to see him win that, especially going out on his own, you know, leaving Gibbs and and to go do what he wanted to do. And that was cool. I I was there that night. It it was really an emotional moment for him. And and for those of us who've been Tony Stewart fans and know him pretty well, that was a a big night for us. Of course, the All-Star race ever since I can remember. Running for a million dollars. Million dollars. One million dollars. Of course, the drivers make a, a whole lot of money. Dale Jr. was asked, is a million dollars still a lot to you? A million dollars is badass. I mean, <laughs> no, no. Even to you? It don't never. I, I mean, there were, uh, I, to me, it's that's a dang lot of money. I mean, I was, I remember when it was 
couple hundred grand and it, when I won it was 500 and uh, now to be a million dollars that's just a lot of money I mean I don't know if I think to maybe one or two of the guys in the field uh, you know a dollar value to them might be a little bit different obviously it's a little bit my, my dollar value and McMurray's dollar value is probably different but uh, now it's still enough to get it's still enough to get us to do some pretty stupid stuff out there <laughs> That's what it's all about right there. Stupid stuff. See, that's that's the key quote of this entire episode. Uh-huh. Is it's still enough money to get us to do some stupid stuff out there. And that was back in 2006 and stupid stuff happens every year. You know what? Pretty much. And it does, but it's okay. Like in the Pro Bowl one year, somebody threw for 574 yards. Mhm. Ridiculous. It's, what, not, it's never going to happen. What happened during the NBA All-Star game this who knows, year? Who cares? They almost scored 200 points apiece. They were just okay. they were doing stupid stuff. Right. I, I can get that on the playground. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Maybe not 200 points. Everybody gets tired and goes on. But. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This week's featured segment, as always, is called Beat the Buzzer. It's a very simple thing. We've managed to entice the world's foremost historian on NASCAR, the historian for the NASCAR Hall of Fame. That's a big deal right there. Buzz McKim, our friend, who kicks our butt weekly on this <laughs> podcast. He does. Or bi-weekly, I guess. Our bi-weekly butt kicking. Bi-monthly. Anyway, bi-monthly. Yeah, that's right. There we go. Um, <laughs> our listeners can win prizes. Buzz is your man. Buzz the prize man. Um <laughs> Buzz, welcome to Back in the Day. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. It's uh, uh, been a while, a couple of weeks. Uh, I, I got a little lonely. I'm so glad we got back together. Well, you're rested up. You're in, in pure butt-kicking mode, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> He's in buzz-kicking mode. Buzz-kicking mode. There you go. I like it. Yes. As usual, those of you who listen to the podcast a lot, you know how we do this. The week before each episode, we'll put out the call for Junior Nation and Dirty Mo followers to take to our Twitter accounts, at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio. Post with the hashtag back in the day and tag with Exalta. Buzz will represent one lucky fan and beat the buzzer against the Wiley co-hosts and not really smart co-hosts. Uh, Speak Steve, for yourself. Steve and Ron. <laughs> well, I was speaking for myself and, and the, the smart co-host, Steve Richards. Hey, I've got my two-year degree in broadcasting. Two-year degree? Yes. <laughs> I get the third degree every now and again. Oh. If Buzz answers all three correctly, which he will, as usual... How do you know? Uh, because I've been here before. I'm mm -hmm. speaking from experience. Okay. And, you know, it, when you cross swords with a recognized master, the Jedi of NASCAR trivia, yeah. you're going to lose. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, that's true. If he's the Jedi, are you Pizza the Hut? I am Pizza the Hut. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> uh, one responder chosen randomly, and this week it's going to be Lisa Norman. Okay. She will be getting the prize from Buzz when he beats us. Okay. Well, okay. congratulations, Lisa, for being selected. And winning your prize, because it's going to happen. Yeah. Am I too Debbie Downer on this? No, I don't think so. What do you mean, Debbie Downer? I'm having a confidence problem. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I think he, <laughs> Buzz, I think he needs a therapist. Yes, I do. Yeah, I'm laying look, on the I'll couch. take him to lunch. He, Everything will be fine. Either that or some good medication. Yes. You know? I'll, I'll take both. <laughs> okay. All right, Buzz, you ready? Yes, sir, buddy. Question number one. Which team has won the most NASCAR All-Star races? Oh, interesting. Okay, let's see here. I would have to say Hendrick Motorsports with eight. And uh, they are uh, twice as many 
as the teams that are tied for second, which is Roush, Fenway, and Richard Childress Racing, they each have four, but Hendrick has eight. He was ready for us. He was ready for us. I'm impressed. One of these days, I'm going to think up the most arcane question, and he'll still get it right. <laughs> he'll still get it right. <laughs> All right. Question number two. Okay. Which year did Dale Earnhardt Jr. win his only NASCAR All-Star race? Oh, 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 I remember this real well because, um, you know, he was just kind of getting started in the Cup Series, and he came along and won in 2000 his rookie season. And everybody goes, holy cow, where is this kid coming from? He is going to be something. And that, that famous shot of uh, Dale Sr. grabbing him in victory lane and giving him a big hug, that was a neat, neat deal. So I'm saying 2000. We're too easy on him. We are. We are. Too easy. Too easy. <laughs> on to question number three. Mm-hmm. On which traditional NASCAR holiday weekend was the 1986 version of the race run at Atlanta Motor Speedway? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, that was the only time that the All-Star race has ever been held anywhere other than Charlotte Motor Speedway. And and this particular date is death to race promoters, but it was held on Mother's Day. And, um, you know, of course, Bill Elliott took it. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. There was a story years ago about uh, how there was a rain out at Martinsville and the only open date would be on Mother's Day. And it's like, oh, poor old Clay Earls. What's he going to do? You know, trying to run a race on Mother's Day because she just can't get anybody to show up. Well, uh, his uh, PR guy, Dick Thompson, who was a giant among PR guys, he got an idea to get 2,000 orchids. And the first 2,000 mothers would get an orchid for Mother's Day, and they packed the house. Pretty wow. good deal. That was neat. Apparently, that uh, whoever the PR person at Atlanta was did not get that memo because there were 18,500 people there that day. <laughs> That's, That's it. Right. Just 18,500? And half of them were journalists because I was covering the Indy 500 that week. Mm. Winston flew us down to cover the race. I did not cover that wow. race. I didn't either. I was tagging along, basically. But. That was a few years before I got into NASCAR full-time, just a mm-hmm. few years. Mm-hmm. But uh, that must have that must have been something. Yeah, there was a lot of room to park, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Buzz, as usual, you, you've, you know, we bow down. Um, we're bowing here in the studio. He's okay. bowing. I'm not. <laughs> no, okay. No, I just expecting the best. I'm just congratulating Lisa on winning the prize. That's right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, Lisa. I am tickled to be in your corner. And uh, you're prepared for a big season down there at the uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame, right? Oh, golly, yeah. It's going to start getting kind of crazy here next week, you know, between the All-Star and the 600 and all the other festivities. Uh, we have a lot of new stuff for folks to see before. Make sure you come back because you'll see a lot of new stuff. And uh, if I'm around, I'd be happy to speak with you. And, you know, every time we talk to fans, we learn something from y'all. You know, we really, really enjoy what we're talking to our guests. So, uh, yeah, please come by if you can. Uh, you'll absolutely enjoy it. Wonderful. Sounds great. That's it for this episode of Back in the Day. Thanks to Buzz McKim, our resident NASCAR guru, for playing along with us and beating us again today. Keep an eye on at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio for the opportunity to play for prizes. And remember, history is made every day, so be a part of it with Back in the Day. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan.